0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Hey, how are you doing? Before we get started today, I do have a favor to ask of all of you. I did start a channel over on YouTube in the last year, year and a half or so. And yeah, I'm really trying to promote that. And the reason being is I think the content that I'm putting out here, you know, we're doing all right with some of these guests for coming on. And I think it deserves to be put in front of more people. And one of the best ways of course of doing that is through a platform like YouTube. Now, if you do interact with these videos on YouTube, that algorithm loves it, and that's the only way that it knows to continually share that content, put it in front of more people. So yeah, I could be a little bit biased here, but I think, you know, finding out about some of these careers is great for young people. It's great for mid-career professionals. So yeah, like, subscribe, it would help a ton. All right, well, let's get into this episode today. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I just want to tell you right out of the gate here, we've got a special episode lined up for you. This one's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to hearing. I mean, usually you're hearing a guest who's mid career or starting out within their career, but we don't often hear the stories of someone who's been through it all, who's seen it all, done it all, and is still going. And that's what I have for you today. I have this guest. His name is Ted Matsumoto or Tetsuzo Matsumoto. He's a Japanese executive entrepreneur who's been in the game for over 61 years. Yeah, 61 years. And he proudly states his age of being 83. His career is just filled with so many different lessons and learnings and this intersection between life and living and business. There's just so much wisdom wrapped up in it all. And beyond that, there's this really killer story about when he was working with SoftBank Group, this major, major telecom provider, you know, globally speaking, probably one of the largest ones. And at the time, they were small. They were just getting into the market. And his relationship with the founder and CEO of that company and his advice to that individual, you could argue put that company on the path to becoming what it is today. But uh, that's a bit of a teaser there. You're just going to have to listen to the story for yourself. Beyond that, we get into a lot of his other stops along the way and his experiences, and again, some of these unique insights. So I think with this big vision, this big look you know, at his career, there's a lot of lessons and learnings in there for anyone who's curious about success and, and finding it along the way. So let me more formally introduce him to you, and we can get started. <laughs> Tetsuzo, or Ted Matsumoto, is a seasoned Japanese executive and entrepreneur. His background has mainly been within information, communication, and media businesses in Japan, the US, and other countries. Now, despite being in the game for over 61 years, yeah, you heard that right, Ted is still very much active within the Japanese business community. Presently, he's serving as chairman and CEO of Ornus Corporation, which he founded in September of 2022. Rewinding a little bit here on his career, in October 2006, Matsumoto joined SoftBank Mobile Corporation as a member of the board, senior executive vice president, and chief strategy officer at the strong request of Masayoshi Son, the founder and chairman of the SoftBank Group. SoftBank Group Incorporated is now a world-famous investment holding company with a market value of nearly $90 billion. And Masayoshi's son, who leads the group, was the third richest person in Japan in 2023. However, in 2005, they were still a very small company struggling for survival, and it was a big bet for them to jump into the battlefield of gigantic mobile telecom operators. Now, Ted served for SoftBank for nearly six years, mainly responsible for the engineering strategy, government relations, and international business development. And during that period, the company recorded dramatic growth. For instance, the number of mobile subscribers, which was 15.22 million and a market share of 16.5% in March 2006, grew to 42.18 million with a market share of 29.8% in March of 2013. Now, prior to joining the SoftBank Group, Matsumoto worked for the multinational tech company Qualcomm for more than 10 years, commencing as a consultant and subsequently serving as president and chairman of Qualcomm Japan, which he established in March of 1998, as well as senior vice president of its headquarters in San Diego. Before that, Matsumoto worked for a Japanese conglomerate, Itochu Corporation, for 34 years, occupying the positions such as senior VP of Electronics Division of Itochu America, and as its GM of telecommunication and multimedia business of its Tokyo headquarters. Now, Matsumoto has a Bachelor of Law degree from Kyoto University, one of the top Japanese educational institutions, and based on his exemplary experiences and career success, has served as a special visiting professor for Graduate School of Global Business at Meiji University. Finally, throughout his career, Ted has written many books, with one of his most well-known being a book he had published in 2017, titled The Day AI Becomes God, The Singularity Will Save Humanity. That book has been translated into three languages and, unsurprisingly, is more pertinent than ever. So, with all this noted, here's my conversation with Ted Matsumoto. Yeah, so welcome to the program. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you. Thank you for making this. Most definitely. It's an honor to have you on today, uh, Matsumoto-san. Would you prefer to be called Ted or Matsumoto-san, which would be? Call me Ted. Okay, perfect. All right, Ted. Well, like I said, it's an honor to have you on the program. And maybe you could launch right into it. I have this first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners know, it's a segment where I just basically read off a definition of what the guest does or a topic related to what they do. And I went with this really basic concept or basic construct, which is business, right? It's something that's defined you and your illustrious career here. And I know it's a very simplistic definition, but what I find interesting here is when guests are able to fill in the blanks, you know, what does this word mean to them? So I'm just going to read off this definition from Wikipedia, and then maybe you could share your thoughts. Does that sound okay? Yeah, fine. All right. So here we go. Business. Business is the practice of making one's living or making money by producing or buying and selling products such as goods and services. It is also any activity or enterprise entered into for profit. The term is also often colloquially used to refer to a company such as a corporation or cooperative. All right. First take, what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, fine. Nothing wrong. But I would like to add one thing. Yeah. it gives somebody fun. In my case, absolutely. Why I'm working? Yeah, to make money to support my life. But more importantly, it's a fun for me. Otherwise, I would be bored. Otherwise, I'm not. I'm not. I shouldn't be working now. At least,
0: maybe it's even this notion of purpose, right? Purpose within your life. I think we're going to get to this. You know, but you've you've shared with me already. You're you're 83 years old, and you know proudly stated this, and you've had this long-ranging career and, you know, you're still at it. I mean, we were just speaking before we got going about your your latest venture. When I was hearing that pre-recording, when I hear you now, it's purpose, right?
1: (laughs) Because it's interesting to me. Otherwise, why I work, you know? So without the fun, I think it's for, even for young days. Uh, Young, when I was young, I worked hard to support my life. When I was young, Japan's economy is not as strong as it is now. And we are struggling for life. So earning money is very important for me. But even at that time, I'm always seeking for some fun. business. Uh, otherwise, I couldn't have been motivated enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, curious about this as well really quickly here. I mean, oftentimes when we look back on the past, I think it's human nature. We tend to romanticize the past a little bit. So, you know, I don't know whether or not that that's part of it for you, because I'm sure there was some struggles and difficulties in there, and we're going to probably get into those a little bit within the talk. But even during those moments of difficulty, were you catching yourself in acknowledging that, ah, this, this is great. I mean, this is, this is what I was born to do. Were, were you having those thoughts during those times?
1: Yes, it, it's absolutely true for me, even though it is tough and a uh, lot of headache, still, I thought it's my life. Without doing this, how I could have uh, found the meaning of the life? Always, you uh, you told me the definition of the business. Uh, nothing wrong in it. But basically, business creates something for the people which people need. Because otherwise, it cannot be a it cannot be a business. No one will pay for it. To to do the business, to run the business, someone has to pay for it. Pay, pay the service or products you produce, it, offer to them, right? If it is not good for them, no one will do that. So there cannot be any business. So business means provide something important and useful for the, for the people, unknown to me. That's that's the most important part, the motivation for me, meeting somebody the people whom I don't know. Yeah. That makes me feel good.
0: Yeah, and that, that that's exactly it. Like that is why I have this segment. You know, is because like you read these definitions, and they're just so cold. They're, they're almost empty. They're hollow in a way. But when you hear it from somebody like yourself, who has had all these wide range experiences, and and they color it. They they, they fill in the blanks. They they add flavor to what that term is, and it, I think it adds meaning to it. You know, it gives someone who might not otherwise fully understand it or what it could be about. It just gives more. You know depth to it all. So I love, I love how you filled in the blanks there for us. And uh, I think it's really, you know, helpful to a lot of people and just giving a different perspective to kind of look at it through. Well, maybe we could shift on over into this other segment here, something called a day in the life. And uh, you know, this is the first thing I did mention off the top that you spent 34 years working for this Japanese conglomerate, Itochu. And for those who aren't familiar, I mean Itochu is massive and you know for perspective, Warren Buffett. I'm sure most of my listeners are familiar with this guy. He's invested significantly within Itochu. While you were there, like I said, spent 34 years working there of nine years in New York, in Chicago, two years in Seoul, Korea, and 23 years between Osaka and Tokyo. What what was that like? I mean, at that time, the present day Itochu was much different than what it was when you were there. So, I mean, in terms of your life, your business career there, what... What, what was that like for you, and maybe what were some of the lessons that you were picking up along the way, good or bad?
1: Main business is, to me, is the demand and supply, uh, uh, connects the demand and supply. Mm. You know, if there's, uh, For example, when I was living in New York, uh, the uh, so-called interconnect market telecommunication, telecommunication, even in the States at that time, telecommunication was controlled by one company, AT&T, period.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: the new type of the business, free market, is just going to start. Then I thought, wait a moment, if the new opportunity comes, Japanese products would have a fit to them. Mm. But the Japanese companies didn't know what they should do to be uh, accepted in the United States American market. I was living in the States and using the telephone system every day, so I know how they use it. Yeah. And I know the technology side. Therefore, I talked to an American guy he, had, he, he has an interesting supply source outside of the United States. They can move faster and they can create something new. Why mm-hmm. don't you don't you talk with them kind of thing right. you know so just it's a go between a go
0: yeah. between setting up the business, allowing for transactions to take place. yeah.
1: What was missing is an investment. you know mm. if, if they were ready, then we should have not only introduced the Japanese manufacturer or products, but also invested, believing that with that with kind of new supply source, that company can be successful more. So in that stage, if I believe in it, I should have invested, the company should have invested in it. Right. The company was not ready uh, like okay. that. So only the connection and getting some commission or finding fee or something like that, that's it.
0: Mm, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, There's a company, 7-Eleven. Uh, 7-Eleven yep. was an American company. Yes. Would you guys introduce the concept to to Japan?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing the story. Uh,
1: so, so group of the people, the the guys who is running Seven Eleven, Seven Eleven in Japan, mm-hmm. now owns American Seven Eleven.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But at the time. I'm, Itoichi only introduced the concept to them. Hey, why don't you talk? And didn't know what kind of role Itochi himself can play in it. Mm. So, uh, so 11 Japan started. Itoichi has no place to uh, anywhere. Itoichi means nothing. The, only the only the guy, kind person, to introduce the concept.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Later, Itoichi both the company and invested and grew the company, Family Mart. Family Mart is a competitor of the Seven Eleven. Yeah. yeah. So now we know that so what is one of the biggest subsidiary of, of told you big uh, convenience store uh, chain, in, not only in Japan but in China and many other places, mm-hmm. is under one control. Uh, a part of the mm Hmm. So we started from connecting the business. There's nothing wrong, yep. but didn't know at that time how to make a big money from
0: there. Right? How to yeah leverage that essentially and and, and create yeah cre- well create value for the to, to uh, to yeah. Corporation. Yeah, ultimately that was during your time that you were that the company was experimenting with that, or was this, these were ideas that you were beginning to have, but the company yeah, wasn't. Yes, yeah, simply struggling to make money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, but
1: introduction, the product moves from Japan to to
2: yeah.
1: and charge.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But okay.
1: uh, it's not a sustainable business. It's a you know, uh, work hard, create something, but gradually understanding there's no place for 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 myself. That was my life.
2: Mm. I didn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's it's a fun, but uh, the, it's not a sustainable business. Mm. So now I'm very happy because company after I I moved out from the company, uh, it uh, became more and more intelligent, more and more strategic, and the present business structure uh, is just like that. Mm creating the business opportunity, connect them people and invest in it, become a part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just to, just to confirm that when you were there, were you beginning to have those kinds of visions? Like that's where the business should be going. But as stated, I mean, the company itself just wasn't there yet. They weren't ready for that. But were you starting to to, to voice your sort of opinions on matters such as that? Or?
2: I sometimes
1: talk about that. Yeah, 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 Ted. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it should be like that way. Let's have a drink. That's it. <laughs> entire business community in Japan was not matured in such a way.
2: Yeah. Okay. I wasn't ready for that.
1: Market as a marketer, trade as a trader yeah. the trader. Yeah.
0: Uh, that type of creativity wasn't fully evolved yet within within markets. Okay. The reason I asked that is because uh in researching for this and some of the information that you kindly shared pre-recording and, and in advance of this talk, I mean, you kind of note yourself as being someone who's a little bit different than than a traditional Japanese individual. You know, Japanese tend to to, to wanna think kind of in a group sort of manner or in a similarly minded, but you kind of revel or you enjoy being the black sheep thinking a little bit differently. So when you were explaining this, I was thinking, well, maybe, just maybe, you're beginning to have some of these, you know, ideas and growing a little bit frustrated perhaps in your role of the company, maybe not moving fast enough. I wasn't sure if that was part of it or or not. And
1: I have been always frustrated. You are absolutely right. <laughs> I always think a little bit far away.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I think I, I am I have been always seeing the future. Yeah. 70 uh, percent right, 30 percent wrong. But <laughs>
0: well, that's still a pretty good track record, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm always thinking, no, 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 it shouldn't be like this way. It should be like that way. But yeah. but the environment is not matured enough. Yeah. So I feel only
0: it can't work until. A-
1: yeah. That, yeah. That's that's. My life was a uh, frustration.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, sometimes frustration can be the no. biggest source of the biggest driver of, of, you know, success in a lot of different ways. And, and it, you know, seemingly would be the case for you across your career, which leads me into my next question here and actually a different segment, a Q&A discovery. We can kind of just continue this back and forth, but this is the next big fork in the road within your career. You know, again, as just mentioned, you'd been at Itochi for 34 years and then at, the age of 56, you decided to leave, leave you. where, you know, you probably had you just decided to say you, you could have just rode off into the sunset there and probably had a very cushy sort of, you know, life the, the rest of the way forward. But you ended up devoting the next part of your professional life to the establishment of the Qualcomm business in Japan. Maybe you could talk to me and listeners a little bit about that.
1: Thank you for asking that That is an interesting subject I would like to touch because, mm, you know, it was very unusual to leave the company like big company and in a pretty good position.
0: Yeah, you're a senior, senior level position. Yeah, in a massive company. Yes.
1: What would happen? Company will, one day, company will will, uh, tell me, it should have told me. Okay, Ted. Oh, thank you for your long time working for us. That position you could have been could have filled up is already filled up by other person. Sorry, no, no, no similar level position. But we prepared for you a good position in the subsidiary company. Why should you take the position of the president of XYZ company, eighty uh, percent owned by Tochi or something? like
2: that? Yeah.
1: Absolutely hated that because I didn't like that concept. Even though it taught you control that company, then there should be the people who was working emplo directly employed by the company and worked hard, and all of a sudden top guy came from the uh parent company. Yeah. That would that's be a tough.
0: A- that's a tough move. It's a tough
1: yeah. I, I didn't like it. I really hated that. Mm. Therefore, I shouldn't be the person. If the company asked me to oh, why don't you be the president of this company? <laughs> nice company making money, <laughs> good position. No, mm. oh, how oh, I can say, oh, thank you very much. I'll take it. Absolutely no no possibility. It
2: wasn't
0: for you. Yeah.
1: So therefore, I just thought, however tough it may be, I will get independent and do my own business. So when I left now there are a lot of people because the startup company is more recognized now in japan but at that time absolutely there's no concept of venture business or whatever yeah Uh, so uh, some but very small okay therefore when i decided to leave the company many people asked me why what
0: happened right right. yeah (laughs) highly unusual yeah (laughs)
1: I was nervous. <laughs> I was not sure if I can make, uh, I can support. <laughs> of
2: course,
0: company. yeah, yeah.
1: But I thought I have no no other choice but but Okay. So, so the Qualcomm is not there. The Qualcomm only offered me the consultant position, so I accepted that. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that. I I thought a big future for the Qualcomm. So mm-hmm. oh, consultant. or Qualcomm is a good business, but one yeah. company. Support me. So I have 10 clients at that time when I started. Carcom is one way. And I started knowing wow, Calcom's potential is far bigger than others. Besides Carcom, one American company is Westinghouse. Westinghouse just bought CBS. So they it's a new business for them. I knew something uh broadcasting business in Japan. So they thought. Someone who knows the Japanese broadcasting business may be useful for them. So I signed up the a consultant company. I I signed up many consulting companies, but uh, it's not a sustainable business. It's not a final target. It is, uh, I thought, I should earn some time to find some new job, which I devote my life. But I started understanding Qualcomm's potential is really, really huge. So I, uh, uh, when Carcom wanted to have uh, uh, a plan to make their own subsidiary Japanese company, I raised a hand, hey, 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 uh, I should be the right person. They said, Ted, but you have uh, many other clients. Um, forget about them. I, uh, all I have to do is submit <laughs> the doctor. Yeah. So I bet my life in Carcom, and it was a very right issue. Mobile is mobile a Carcom was a small company at the time, only
0: 400 people. Yeah, certainly a big decision there. But, yeah, I would say it's, it, it turned out well for you.
1: No, I, I think my my judgment was right. Mobile is one of the rising, the most important uh, segment, industrial segment, mobile communication.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the car technology was the right technology. And, of course, there's a big political barrier, but I had the guts to fight against the com- very conservative Japanese industry, uh, culture, and governmental regulation, and somehow made it happen. So I'm still very proud of that.
0: Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, what, what were the, the big roadblocks? What was oh, they, getting in your way as far as that?
1: In Japanese, telecommunications are almost 100% controlled by NTT giant. NTT is monopolized, just like at t right? Yeah. And unlike the United States, they didn't break them up. So NTT, oh, bro, bro, broken them up finally, but uh, NTT's power is far bigger in the industry. And NTT, unlike American mobile uh, operator, telecommunication operator, NTT has a huge R&D and they are big engineers. So all the technology is controlled by NTT. Yeah, it's all held there, isn't it? Of course. that's uh, I, I didn't like that kind of situation. So uh, is was a challenger. Qualcomm uh, yeah, tried to sell their technology to NTT. NTT uh, should have said, no no, 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 thank you very much, but we have a good engineering source. Uh, we have no need to count on foreign technology. Mm. Technology, as well as the political power, and all the market has been monopolized. So it is a very big giant to challenge against. Of course, I'm not the person. There are many people like mori and many people challenged the mm-hmm. uh, uh, NTT Dogon's philosophy, uh, this monopoly. So I'd like to be a part of it, you know. I'd mm-hmm. like to be from the technology side. It was interesting. Motorola was a big player in Japan. Carcom is new. Motorola is big. But, but... I was involved in it. I was very much interested. American, from the American U.S. government. I'm the, I'm the American, right? I'm working for American company. So the important guys comes from the Washington D.C. to talk with the Japanese government. They first invited us, American company uh, head. Some are are American, some are Japanese. So it's a mixture. But I was a president of Qualcomm Japan, so I represented Qualcomm and yeah. how to how to fight. I sometimes said, no, no, wait a moment. You are misinformed. If you try to challenge that point, the you would be, you would be pushed pushed off because you are wrong. And interesting, they listened. Oh, I see. Some of the lobbyists in the states gave them the wrong information. Oh, the Japanese government is doing unfair thing. This is this, and you attack them. They should bow. They should. They should surrender. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. That you are, you are, you are misunderstanding. If you fight in such way, you will be miserably defeated. You shouldn't do that. Saying that U.S. government saved the faith and Japanese uh, government thought, oh, Americans are not stupid. It worked. It worked. And I was very uh, happy knowing that American government is very fair. They listen. And it it does make sense. They listened and changed their way. Hmm. So I had a very interesting experience in it.
0: I bet. Yeah. I mean, when you're at that level and <laughs> it's involving governments and it's involving lobbyists, yeah, and shifting markets, essentially, you know, breaking up markets or monopolies. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it would have been a very interesting time. And also kind of leads me to this other point, again, in researching for you you know, part of your philosophy from several, you know, several philosophies that you hold, but one of them is this motto or or creed that you have, which is, you know, be creative or die, you know, and I really like that one because I'm sure that helped you during this time, like trying to find workarounds and different approaches and, you know, the stakes were high. If you didn't get this right more times than not, then yeah, you probably weren't going to be, you know, around too long. So maybe you could tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Because my life, as I told you, I have to find a new business. Otherwise, I had no sustainable business. So mm. I have to find a new opportunity. Otherwise, I I'll, I'll be dead, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a new business. You have to be creative yourself. <laughs> yeah. You have to you have to be creative, and that's only the way to create a new business. Without to create create a new business, I have no place to live. Yeah. If I, I'm I'm the employee of Toyota, uh, I shouldn't have such have such motto. All I have to do is to follow Toyota's way and promote Toyota's technology. Right? Maybe. is our own technology, but I have nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Then, without creativity, how I can I can find my place?
0: I love that. I mean, it's just, it's a simple sort of statement, but it's very profound, I think. Like, you can really take that in a lot of different directions, but it can really set up a career. It can set up a life when you fully, like, n- not just saying these words, but, like, really believing them and dedicating your life to it.
1: Christmas life is not as easy as uh, it sounds like. You know? No, certainly. I, I, I make it a motto. And put yeah. it to my I started a new company, right? He, yeah. he a new startup company in the US and put it in the in the president's office. Okay. And business didn't go well, right?
2: Mm. Mm.
1: My vice president, senior vice president, responsible for the sales, always in the morning come to my office and say, be creative or die. They make a cancel the word or and say and. <laughs> <laughs> because our company was dying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was too a little bit too creative, perhaps.
1: <laughs> There's a
0: spectrum that we
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So I wiped out then and, and next morning again. Be and die. It's a hell. You know, I experienced a hell.
0: yeah 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 no you know of course i mean like that type of motto doesn't guarantee anything but but i think there is something to that right like it you know as simple as it sounds
1: i'm i'm now talking uh making it a joke but but
0: yeah yeah
1: i was really seriously uh miserable (laughs) okay (laughs) i never changed that motto yeah even those, even with such a uh, terrible uh, the experience. Still, I have never changed my motto: be creative mm-hmm. or die. And so at my age, I'm still believing: be creative or die.
0: Yeah, which leads me into this last question within this segment. And actually, it's more of an observation, to be honest. That again, as mentioned, you're 83 years old, and I think at this point, you know, most people would be content and just sort of, you know, just enjoying, enjoying themselves and maybe traveling or doing whatever they want to do at this point in their lives. But yet, you know, here you are, you have another company, um, you're the founder and chairman of this company, Ornis Corporation, which specializes in marine security, tsunami detection, recovery of floating objects and the overall modernization of the Japanese fishing industry. So my observation here, I mean, it's clear to see that th- this notion of business, it's something more, it's deeper than just a means of accruing financial reward. And there, there, there's something deeper. And I think, you know, like that that speaks to it. Like you, you, you derive some enjoyment here and, and yeah, maybe you could speak to us a little bit more about that.
1: Thank you for asking this. Uh... Yeah, the at the age of eighty, I made up my mind: no more work, yeah. just relax. But someone uh, asked me uh, for the advice. The technology is there. This radar technology is a solid technology, and of course, and we if we utilize a new AI technology or the uh, big data analysis or something like that, it uh, brings a more uh, interesting business. So. There's a market, fishing, tsunami, you know, the safety, many, many different.
0: Application. Yeah.
1: If always, if the demand is here and technology to enable it is here, then there should be the business. That's my belief. All we have to do is to find out a way to connect the both needs demand and supply are two important and yeah. only two important factor of all the, the business. And mm-hmm. here's the technology, right technology. Here's a demand, very wide range, uh, massive demand. But no one has ever been successful. Why? So I told them, oh, the way you are trying to sell the system to the Japanese security agency or some big fishing company, that's totally wrong. Because a facility itself can create the data. The facilities on the facilities for the purpose to create the data. What people need, Fishing people needs. What tsunami detection uh, interested people needs? All the data, not the facility, right? Mm-hmm. But if you try to sell the facility to somebody, that's overwhelming. Cost is too much because yeah. they are. What they can get is only a part of that mirror. So mm-hmm. someone has to own that the, the uh, facility, create the data, and sell the data. Each individual different data to the di- with a different application to the different people. That should be the only the way to make the business happen. So my my job is ended. I gave the advice. <laughs> the present way you can never make a success. You, you should be. You should do that. Mm. Yes, who can do that? <laughs> Actually, the big company will not be interested because it's a mm. very complicated business and still the sales volume is not such big. So the mm. big radar company will not be interested. The you kind of company will not be interested. Yeah. So that's a typical startup company's business. The you know, so I said, yeah, if I were 30 years younger, well, I should have done it because there's opportunity.
2: Mm, and there's mm.
1: people who invest, venture, venture capital is everywhere. That's a yeah. typical venture business. But would you find out somebody who can do that? I, <laughs> I got no idea, right? Because if it's a simple network, this is a pretty complicated. requires uh, the knowledge and human contact, the various governmental Organization or private sectors, you should understand this and understand that. And that's a very complex business. Only the mature business person can do that. Yeah. But mature business person, almost mature business people, are already retired and enjoying their life. Oh, it's the time to relax. In the States, that those people who develop the technology, they are basically in the in the university. Engineers have been working, and uh, by the way, they are the part of the old Is My Company now. We have mm-hmm. I contract with each of the professors and bring all those technology and make mm-hmm. one. But in the states, they should many professors get independent, start a new business. Just like Cardcom. Cardcom is like that,
2: you know. Mm
1: started by seven uh, professors and you know the the capital came from uh, engineering investor came and made a company yeah states is still not it doesn't work Mm. so the professors are more conservative not interested in the business no idea to make create a business business people are not too much Technology oriented and talented, those people who can make it happen, already retired. So wait a moment. I can do. I will. Probably I'll be one of the person, uh, one of <laughs> the few people who can do that. Yeah, but I'm too old. But if I change that part, if I eliminate the word "I am too old." then I am the right person yeah. and I can't find the other person. Then what's your answer? I thought, you know, say, sorry, I'm too old. I can't do that. And sorry, I can't find anybody because, <laughs> because not too many people can do that. Mm-hmm. Then Japan simply called down. So I made up my mind. Okay. All right. I'll do that. I said,
0: wow, there you that's
1: go. It's a, it's a really small business,
0: yeah. but
1: difficult, pretty difficult business to me.
0: Mm, sounds like it, yeah.
1: Complete. So, so I am not interested in big business or small business, but difficult business stimulates my interest. If it is difficult, it's worthwhile to tackle.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Be creative or die. <laughs> There you go, right? I mean like I, I you know, I think there's something to that. Like if you, you put yourself into these things, like again, fulfillment, purpose, a lot of these things are you're derived from that. And there's value in all of that. I, it's, it's it's the people sometimes that, at different uh, segments of their life that you know get complacent or get you know just sit on the sit on the sofa, sit on that lazy boy recliner and just watch TV. Like that's that's where things sort of fade out I think for people. Like the longer that you can keep driving yourself and challenging yourself, like that's where life satisfaction comes in, or at least that's where like a lot of research is indicating those types of results. It, it's yeah. it's like yourself that, that stay involved and they, they don't get hung up on a number. So I think it's, it's admirable. I you know, I, I really respect that. I hope, you know, when I reach that point that I'm still charging ahead in, in such ways. I think there's there's something to that is what I'm getting at here.
1: I, I, I thank you very much for saying that. You know, I, I'm you know, I would write like, at the end of the day, I write like to give the people the message, hey, this is a way that Japan can become Japanese economy can be more how to say, more active, dynamic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what Japan needs right now too. So
1: all the people should do the same thing as I'm doing too, mm. too early to retire and relax.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you can you can relax as well. You just got to pick your moments, I suppose. Yeah. Right? It's relaxing for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You, you're on to something. You figure something out that most people haven't. I guess if you're if if you're making statements like that. You know, I do want to move on to this water cooler story segment really quickly here, because we do have one more topic after that that I want to get to. And uh, this story, though, I don't want to skip over it because I think it's a really interesting one. and it's returning to your Softbank days. and uh, it was it's this fascinating backstory. So this is before the the Softbank group, which now, of course, is globally famous and holds a market value of you know u s and ninety billion dollars, this massive massive telecom company group of companies here. But this story takes place before all of that. And it involves the the current SoftBank group, uh, president, chairman, Masayoshi's son, who is making overtures to you while you were at Qualcomm about joining SoftBank. And uh, yeah, I thought it was just a really interesting story because at that time, again, they weren't even in the telecom business. It was a very, very small company. So maybe you could fill in the details of of what transpired there. I think it's a really interesting story.
1: If I started talking about Masayoshi Song, I need at least seven, eight hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bet. Yeah, you could have a book just on him, probably in your experience there.
1: Masayoshi Song is a really interesting guy. He's uh, yeah, um, he's very unusual, you know. The, he, he he's visionary, extremely smart, but whenever he gets an idea, five seconds later, he's already making phone to somebody or something like that thinking and not acting is not the, the not his practice he's thinking already great idea and he's also a creative or die kind of person you
0: know okay. every day
1: he's creative <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah.
0: for better for worse <laughs> sometimes but it's
1: yes working very hard and yeah that time that massa son was almost dying because he, the business he was running, it's an ADSL business, new new internet business, uh, didn't work as he originally intended, originally envisioned. So he was really struggling. But he thought, okay, okay, that meant this didn't work well as he anticipated. But far bigger market is there. The communications should definitely be the promising world. And the mobile, radio, mobile area is far more promising than what he has been devoting. So he he tried to do everything to own the part of the mobile communication business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason why I was already working for Qualcomm and challenging that huge doper. Yeah. So we are the kind of same kind. I came from the American, representing American technology. He was an entrepreneur to start a new business, head-to-head, compete head-to-head against the big giants. Mm. Some, something, uh, some commonality. So he approached me, and uh, why why don't you run this business? Because we don't know well about the mobile business. You, you obviously know that. But uh, but uh, I I found absolutely it's impossible for him to challenge and win because uh, the money required and everything is far bigger than he thought. Yeah. So I I told him I'm sorry. Thank you very much for your contacting me, but I cannot be uh, can't take such a big responsibility, and I have no confidence to be successful. And and I do recommend you not to do that Russo. Mm-hmm. He asked me then what to do, why I reason uh, why it won't work. And uh, he listened. and uh, then but he's a rise, last person to give up <laughs> anything. <laughs> and then what to do? So I said, no no. So there's a the business, so-called the MBNO, without owning the network, using someone else's network and do the business on it. At that time, Vodafone was struggling. Vodafone is the world's biggest mobile operator, knows how to run the network and already active. They they are are number three, third biggest operator. Only three operators, one of the three, big three. But struggling because they don't know how to sell it.
2: Hmm.
1: I thought SoftBank, Masterstone knows 10 times better 10 times more capable to sell it. So it's a combination, good combination.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So to approach, my recommendation is to approach uh, the uh, Vodafone and offer the MBNO type operation. Probably SoftBank will sell 10 times more than, <laughs> at least three times more than Vodafone itself. Then mm-hmm. eventually Vodafone will become more dependent on SoftBank. Then it's a time to you offer to offer the, the joint venture or something. Like that. that is a strategy I recommended.
2: Yeah.
1: And he immediately started working in that direction. And I'm very happy that he followed my advice. Okay. And one year later, I, again, Mazason approached me. Hey, according to your advice, I bought, <laughs> I bought both of them. That must have been
0: quite the phone call.
1: (laughs) I I forgot the name, uh, number, but it's a huge amount. Stoltman was still a small company, but he has to pay a big amount of money to buy out. His guts is 10 times bigger than I or than anybody Mm -hmm. else. I have a pretty big guts, but in comparison with him, (laughs) <laughs> so I said, so, I didn't ask you to buy out. I only, uh, I started negotiating with them and, you know, it didn't work, blah, blah, blah. And one day they, they, they came back saying, why don't you buy us? So we, yeah. I decided to buy them. Well, <laughs> so at least you should help me. You should help me.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I cannot say no.
0: Yeah, how could you say no to that at that point? Wow, wow. And actually,
1: now SoftBank is famous to pay a big amount of money to their executives. So many people should have misunderstood. I joined SoftBank for money. Mother's should have offered me a big amount of money, and I was attracted and jumped in. No, absolutely not. My revenue reduced. Really? I was very, 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 very paid by Qualcomm, American company.
2: Wow. yeah
1: so so I accepted the reduction, the reduction of the annual income the, why? I was already seventy eight years old. I wanted to do something. Money is not too important. Yeah. when you are young, money is very important. If you have a lot of money, you can invest it for the future right? Therefore. Uh, the I'm I am i no criticisms those young people who who should be uh, criticized too greedy uh, greedy is a good thing because they mm-hmm. need but old mm-hmm. men need money
0: yeah you reach a point right yeah
1: not too, too much future <laughs> money is necessary for the future yeah okay? for the, to make a fun seeking for the money is yes, not
0: it looks so sick. it becomes about something else, doesn't it? Later on, I suppose. And then maybe the challenge of it all, once you've reached that point where you, you know you're comfortable enough, and then it becomes something you, you 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 want to personally fulfill a different sort of you know aspect yeah. of your life.
1: Helping helping a crazy guy like Masasong.
0: <laughs> see if you can really do it. <laughs> yeah, see if you can do it, you know, yeah. with him.
1: If I can be a part of it. I
2: can do
0: well, that's yeah.
1: The, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, and the rest is history, right? Like I said, I read off the top some of those stats of what SoftBank Corporation or group became and what it grew into, especially during your, what, six-year six year tenure there? I mean...
1: Six years. But I stayed as an advisor, senior advisor, for another eight years.
2: Okay, so, until, so yeah. Until,
1: until recently. After I, I left the SoftBank board for five, six years, I worked as an advisor to them.
0: Okay, all right, somehow
1: yeah, yeah, yeah uh, someone do it this way.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. No, I love that story, I love that story. Are, are you getting any other calls, crazy calls from uh, from Sun Sun these days?
1: No, no I, I haven't talked with him uh, over five years.
0: No, no, okay, all right, all right, so well. maybe five
1: years. I didn't, yeah, because. I was outside the
0: country. Yeah,
1: Massaçon became more of an investor. Yeah, than-
0: he's he's been down a different track these last uh, four or five years, and yeah, some ups and downs there. But uh, yeah, definitely some some of his stories, though, like you said, probably you could uh, you you we could talk for ages. I'm sure <laughs> about him and your experiences with him. But I do have one more thing that I want to get to. Is that all right? Or you have something else to say?
1: Uh, the Amount of the money he's interested
0: in
2: mm.
1: is times bigger than what I can I can be involved. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: Fair enough, yeah.
1: Inside, sorry, so I have no reason not interested talking with him. If I bring some some new new ideas, uh, he will ask uh, how much money is
2: involved.
0: <laughs> Don't bother me for such <laughs> Right, right, right. All right. Well, I do have this last segment here, a crystal ball segment, as the name implies, we're looking towards the future trends predictions, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, this is one of the most interesting parts about you and your career is that you wrote this book back in 2017. And the topic, and the topic is all the rage right now. And what I'm referring to is AI. And again, yeah, you wrote this in 2017. And the book itself is called The Day AI Becomes God, The Singularity Will Save Humanity. So I think that's compelling unto itself is that, you know, right now it's an issue. People are talking about it, but you had the foresight to kind of look at this, you know, several years earlier. So that's interesting enough. But then also, too. like a lot of these discussion points on AI right now, there's some excitement there, no doubt. But there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of fear and, you know, towards like the threat that potentially AI poses towards a lot of things, whether it's people's jobs, whether it's, you know, on the scale of humanity itself. But your book itself and what you argue is almost contrarian. You know, it's basically that humanity is surely destined for destruction Unless humans cede control to AI, so I'd love to just launch into it right there. You know,
1: the you know. By the way, the word singularity. I got when I first heard about the singularity, I was very much interested. And quite coincidentally, Massa Song was extremely interested in the same word around the same time.
2: Mm. Mm. I never
1: talked with him about AI because I was already living in a different world. But uh, Matheson is still still very much interested. He's now very much interested in that new one. From my view, but I started thinking about uh, AI and the singularity from the philosophical viewpoint. He was interested in the business, actual business viewpoint.
0: Sorry, just to rewind a little bit here and to add clarity, what, what do you mean when you say singularity?
1: AI's power becomes. Far beyond the human capability. Okay, that's a mathematical word: singularity. At mm. one point, the AI will become a different kind of things. You know, the it's a certain point AI go beyond uh, what beyond the human's tool.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt there. I just want to make sure that listeners and and for myself as well, and fully, you know, on board and.
1: Yeah, the question is when singularity comes. My, uh, what I said in the in my book is fifty to one hundred years. Okay, now my book it was written five years ago. Only five years has passed. Then when I see the present situation, okay, I'm doing pretty well. The curve progress curve will be like this way, right? Yeah, it's only this. Out of fifty years, five years it's still this. this. Five years will be far bigger than the change we are seeing now. And the next five years, next five, it goes, 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 and it will become the kind of thing is beyond the imagination of the people.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's what's that's what's unnerving a lot of people because of what that represents or could represent, I guess.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, sure. All the people should think about that. you know. Otherwise, too naive, too optimistic.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, as a te- oh, what people are saying? Oh, some people saying, oh, but human beings, uh, the AI cannot go beyond the uh, human beings because they have no heart. Of course, they have no heart. <laughs> but why we need the heart for them? They can copy the heart. Yeah, what kind of thing heart is, right? But they don't have a heart because they are not animal. The heart or brain or the subjective the thinking, not objective thinking. But AI is what people created. So what's wrong? The Asimov, Isaac Asimov, SF writer, used the word so-called Asimov three, three principle. What a robot should be. Robots. Use the people or something like that. It's so Only three pr- principles. If they observe that, then humankind will be safe.
2: Hmm.
1: Of course, many people say if there is a bug, what happens? But I have an answer. The, I think if we are clever enough, wise enough, we can make the good AI not bad AI. Not allow somebody to make a bad AI. That's all the name of the game. AI... Before or after the singularity, yes. Even before singularity, AI, of course, much, much more capable than human beings. No question about it. First experience for us. Now big construction machine is easily thousands a 10,000 thousands, thousands, thousands times more capable than human beings. Same thing. So already human's body, the, the old machine, is 1,000 times more efficient, more powerful than human muscle. Right. Future computer will become 1,000 times more smarter than human brain. It's a matter of course. Why are they still arguing? It's a matter of course. It will happen anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. AI
1: will invent the next generation AI. That AI will make the next next generation of AI. So AI becomes, uh, AI's capability becomes higher and higher.
0: It's, it's happening right now right I mean just even uh chat GPT and Gpt4 within a year once Microsoft came into the game like I was just listening to a podcast on that and like the 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 leveling up that took place in just one year is it phenomenal it's, it's amazing it's it's frightening it's exciting it's it's a lot of different adjectives but sorry yeah continue
1: that level, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only five years oh uh, yeah five years, other five years so we should have the Good imagination for that. And really, really, I'm really serious. It's more important than anything else. Anything else. If I try to be good for the human community, I can't be, I can't forget about, I I can't but use my brain to think about that. What would be the future? What we should do for it? So uh, I'm still every day thinking about AI. That book is a beginning. Things are moving as I thought, not faster, not slower. Uh, and Microsoft and other, many people are doing the right job, that's it. But future would be far, far bigger. Then many people are saying that, oh, you have got to be careful about the future. Of course, we have got to be careful. But we shouldn't, some people say, oh, we shouldn't touch it. <laughs> no, not possible, not possible. If we don't do that, some other people do that. If Americans don't do that, Chinese will do that. If Chinese don't do that, uh, Indonesia will do that. someone will do that. You can't stop what human beings will do about AI. Then, if you believe you are a good man, you have got to do that. You shouldn't sabotage it.
0: So, 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 sorry, just to clarify, you're saying that we shouldn't, like humans shouldn't be interfering with its development, just letting it go, or we should be?
1: Should, of course, should. Should. Because human, human create the, the AI, you know. Let the AI create the next generation of AI, but origin is from human. Human should build in the rule AI should follow. Then human is safe.
0: Yeah. Do you think we're doing that right now? I mean, there's a lot of discussion on this that like a lot of tech leaders, at least coming out of the US, I I can't speak globally, but I know out of uh, maybe Europe as well, you know, a lot of leaders there are are calling for a pause on the development so we can kind of get a handle on it. Are are, are you kind of behind that sort of sentiment? Is that what you're you're driving at right now?
1: At least everybody, 100% of people are saying we should control them. Otherwise, Otherwise, they will become a monster, or some bad guy will be a monster.
0: Right, right.
1: We, therefore, we have, everybody believes he's a good guy, he or she is a good good person. Mm-hmm. So he or she should do something. That's a consensus, 100%. So that's the right way to do The Only the question is how.
0: How? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have no regulators for this just yet, right? Like there's no, there's no policies for this in place. People don't know how to handle it. And I think that's part of the apprehension about all of this right now, is it's still moving forward, despite the acknowledgement of people like yourself and, and others who are, are calling for maybe like, well, maybe we do kind of need to get a handle on this and better understand things. So it doesn't, like you said, turn into this monster. But at the moment, that's just not happening yet, is it?
1: Yes, but but they at least started discussing
0: seriously. That's true. That is true, yes. So
1: we shouldn't be too behind. Technology will grow anyway. Yeah. You know, you can't stop some other engineers do that. You know, they will do that. Many people do that anyway, right? So take it assumption that, that you can't change. Then all you have to do is to catch up with them from the moral side or control side. Technology <laughs> side, you can't stop it. And speed is much higher than you imagine, so you have to you have to think more, talk more, discuss more, to decide how to control it. But if we are too much relaxed, it will become too late.
0: Yeah, yeah. This other point, though, that you make within the book is that if we don't allow AI to develop, you know, in in this manner where we are controlling it, as we're just discussing that humanity itself is on a course of heading towards destruction. So you're arguing that we need AI within our lives. We need it to be a major part of our lives. Maybe you could explain that idea really quickly. I'm saying
2: not
1: too many people are saying that. Many people are saying AI may destroy, uh, geopolitize human beings. I'm saying without AI, we have no
0: yeah exactly I mean that's that's a very contrarian sort of approach and and look at it all which I find really compelling and I'd like to hear a little bit more about that the reasoning
1: people are too optimistic about the human being's nature in the Cuba crisis. we are so fortunate because the uh, submarine captain Russian submarine captain was good enough <laughs> stop it if it's it's left in in the hand of the human entire human future was in the hand of a russian submarine captain if he is a he has some psychological problem, no 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 do that shoot then the story human beings like you, you me may not be existing here we are so close if without someday We should surrender all the power to AI because AI is more rational than human beings. Human beings are unpredictable and has a strange emotion. Human beings have already already hired Hitler. The other Hitler was there. He's one of the human beings. And German people, very intelligent people, get us, Beethoven, the, 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 uh, Kant, Hegel, all the philosopher and the artist was German. And all those German people hire Hitler, you decide we borrow, okay? That's the nature of the human beings. We couldn't control Putin. We couldn't, cannot, we are not, we cannot control Kim Jong-un, young Korean leader.
0: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt here really quickly here. Yeah, I think this is part of the fear with AI going unchecked, but we were just speaking about this point of, of, of having some checks on AI, but without it, you know, without it is is exactly what you're speaking about is that AI doesn't have a heart, right? It, it isn't, it, it's it's highly rational and it would, you know, it reaches this point of maturity where it recognizes that humans are this, this wild card consistently that we're not needed. Because because of that point of what you're just making, which is really quite interesting as well to kind of consider. But
2: yes, uh, you
1: are right. Okay, human beings can make it. Give the AI. I say, tell the AI. I may go crazy, but you are more rational than I, so you stop me. If I was wrong, you should kill me. If Putin, Vladimir Putin had a good AI. Do you think he invaded in Ukraine? I don't think so. Putin miscalculated and he had a strange dream of the big Russia or something. Very human. AI, if he has a good AI and rely on him, on that AI, if Putin ordered the AI, give me the advice anytime. If he asks a question, should I invade Ukraine? AI should have answered, no, you shouldn't, because of these reasons. Because he does not rational. Anyone working for Putin has their own personal interest. He should look better nicer, he should look braver, something like that. All because they are human beings. Human beings are most dangerous, far more dangerous than than. Than AI.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the angle that we're looking at here is is this notion of AI being a tool, right? And if we're we're considering it from that angle, where you know, as humans, you know, like our our history as we evolve, and we're evolving with this new tool by our side, and and the way you're explaining it, it makes complete sense. I think like it's I think where it gets like scary for people is if they're not considering AI as a tool, or they the, the constraints aren't there, you know, or if, if we're considering AI without constraints and AI is using us almost as a tool, <laughs> then that's where things get a little bit, uh, you know, convoluted, I suppose. But but, but I think what you're driving at here is us moving forward and humanity moving forward with AI as this, this super tool for us to evaluate decisions of, you know, like geopolitical issues you were just speaking about and, and several others. I mean, Food shortages, poverty, things like that. Yeah.
1: No, how dangerous human beings we ourselves are.
0: Yeah,
1: and develop the tools to control, to guide, to the right way. AI has a power to do that. Without AI, if human beings is put in less fail, then the, our future is not bright. There should be some mistake someday. We survived. The Cuban crisis. We may survive some of the other crises, but someday we may not be too lucky like that. And you know, the human beings, because nuclear power, people are afraid of the AI's power, AI weapons power. But nuclear power is already there. Or virus, new virus. They will invent a new virus, believing it is a good. This is good to kill cancer, fight against cancer. But by mistake, they may create a monster virus. Monster virus may be even more dangerous than nuclear weapons. Because one mistake this could spread to the world in one day. So we need the super intelligence not to make it happen. I'm sorry, human beings has no such super intelligence by ourselves then we have to first create the ai and let super intelligence ai to control us not to make a mistake that's only the way human beings can survive i'm really serious. not many people are saying that
0: yeah yeah you're right i mean i had Been following along with this AI discussion, you know, a a lot of different, from a lot of different mediums online, in print, a a lot of different places, podcasts, you name it. But you're right. I mean, I haven't heard this perspective all that often. And uh, I'm sure this is something that you get into within your book in, in greater detail that we could ever do justice to within this talk.
1: Before wrapping up, let me add one more word, okay? Sure. The day AI becomes God, if I have a chance, next book of mine. Should be titled "How to Make AI God." This is a prediction that day AI will AI becomes a god will come should come and will come. What is missing? How to make it happen? So my next book should be "How to
0: Make AI the God." There we go. Be creative or die. <laughs> it all comes back to that. That is, all comes back to that. I love it. I'm looking forward to to getting my hands on that book when it's ready. So I definitely, definitely encourage everyone to go out and pick up a copy of this book It's called The Day AI Becomes God, The Singularity Will Save Humanity. But Ted, I mean, I've got to say it's, you know, it's been such a great conversation. And, uh, you know, we're well over an hour now. You know, you've been gracious enough to give this much of your time. and I'm sure listeners are just going to absolutely, you know, really, really appreciate this talk and all the insights and, and the wisdom that you shared. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much for giving me the chance. Thank you.
0: Now, for those interested in learning more about Ted and his work, you can do so via his present endeavor, ornus.jp or his book, The Day AI Becomes God, The Singularity Will Save Humanity. I will have those links in the show notes, so you can check them out there. And if you like today's show, please be sure to tell a friend and share. To show further support, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And lastly, head on over to YouTube. I do have that channel over there as noted off the top, where you can check out highlights from the actual conversation. And finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.